if you have a strong brand and you pair that up with strong demand gen, these two things are going to fly. It's not one or the other. It's how can that stuff help, right? If we are generating a ton of traffic from LinkedIn, all that stuff can be used to fuel demand gen with the right demand gen mindset. So I think it's such a good fit if you can do them right. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Demand Gen Chat, which is a podcast brought to you by Chili Piper. My name is Emil Shore. I am the host of the show. And today's episode is someone I'm sure a lot of you are going to be very familiar with. If you've been on LinkedIn over the last year or two, there's no way you haven't seen one of his videos walking down the streets of Boston. Uh, he, I think, regularly gets over 100,000 views each video, has done a sensational job of building an audience over there. His name is Dave Gerhart. He is the VP of marketing over at Drift, which is the conversational marketing platform. Dave is also one of the hosts of Seeking Wisdom, which is one of my personal favorite podcasts that he does alongside with their CEO, David Cancel. So in this episode, Dave and I got to unpack what it means to build a brand. As many of you know, Dave is really, really good at brand, talks a lot about brand. And I know this is a podcast about demand gen, so you're probably thinking, Emil, why are we talking about brand? This is demand gen. But I think there's some really, really valuable lessons that we as demand gen people can learn from Dave about building a brand. Um, we talk about how you can actually drive demand and help the rest of your demand gen efforts by building a brand. And you know, the word brand I think gets thrown out a lot and we really talk about what does it mean? There's no fluff here. Dave goes into it explaining how they've built the brand over at Drift, which you know, all of us are familiar with and I think we admire. We also talked about how Dave spent a month taking demos and what he learned that marketers absolutely must be doing. A lot of gold there. And the last thing, major thing we talked about was Drift has a separate growth team and a marketing team. And I think a lot of people are interested in why they separate it. And so Dave explains why they have separate teams, but he also talks about why it might not be the right team strategy for you, which was some really interesting insights. All right, without further ado, let's hop into the episode. I don't think you've ever talked about brand before. So I think that'd be a good place for us to start. People don't want to talk about it because they, they don't like it. They'll talk about it. <laughs> I, my entire career, I've been a direct response guy and I've been, you know, following you long time. People like you are my favorite ones to talk about brand. <laughs> yeah. Cause we're all like, always like numbers, numbers. And you're like, dude, come on. Um, but that's, that's why I want to talk. I want to learn from you today. So, you know, I've seen what you guys have done by building a brand adrift, but to me, it's like build a brand has become the thing where people say like, just add value right? Like people just say it and it loses its meaning, but you guys have done such a good job. So I'm curious, like, what does it mean for you when you say like build a brand? Yeah, that's a great, I never thought of it like that, but it is so true. And like, it's actually becoming frustrating now because I think it's, it's diminishing like what that actually means, right? People are like, oh, just build a brand. And like, right. people, people don't like that. Or like, you know, you see comments on, on Twitter and LinkedIn or whatever, like, and, and everybody has a different interpretation of, of brand. And it's kind of hard to like, I can't write you a one liner, but there's a great quote from one of my favorite books, which is uh, Behind the Cloud by Mark Benioff. And it's a whole story about how Salesforce got started, how we left Oracle, the whole war against uh, Siebel, you know, all the way through like basically the first decade of Salesforce. It's an amazing book. If you're in SaaS, especially if you're in marketing, it's a great read. But in it, Benioff says, he says, a brand is a company's most important assets. A company can't 
uh, control its facts. So if things like speed, price, and quality are, are any good, everybody's just going to copy them. And I've done this deck so many times I can like recite that quote. But basically his point is like, look, if you, so I'm, I'm drinking a coffee. I just went and got a coffee. It's snowing in Boston, but I'm drinking iced coffee today, right? This is Starbucks, right? If, if the coffee at Starbucks is any good, and th- then a competitor is going to come out and they're going to copy the cup, they're going to copy the brand name, they're going to copy the image, they're going to copy the ice, they're going to copy how they make it, right? But the thing that people can't copy from Starbucks is how I just love my Starbucks. That's where I go and get my coffee. It's easy. I use the app. I like it there. It fits me, right? Like there's things about the brand that I like and respect. Like no matter what happens, I'm not going to go switch just because somebody else found a cheaper way to make a cup of coffee. I'm loyal to this brand. And I think that quote from Benioff is like, speaks to me. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen this, but you ever go on product hunt and you like kind of click on a new product and you scroll down, just go to any product. It's almost like a little game you play, go to any product, scroll down the second or third comment on any new product is going to be like, well, congrats on the launch guys. This sounds cool. But, uh, how is this any different than blank and blank is some other product that already exists. Like it's easier than ever. You and I, I don't know anything about you other than us trading, you know, talking before this, but like you and I could go start a company tomorrow and, and make headphones. We could do it because it's easier than ever to start a business today, to build products today. But that's why you need brand to be this differentiator, to be this mode. So that's my long-winded way of trying to describe like why, why building a brand is so important. So how, how have you guys actually done that though? So, so for us, there's kind of a bunch of different ingredients in it. And I think it's unique to anyone, but I think, if you peel away all, I think a lot of great brands have a couple things in common. Like number one is they can tell a story, right? That connects on some emotional level beyond products and features. And I think one thing that we were able to do at Drift was you know, when David and Elias, the founders, when they started this company, everybody thought they were crazy because they're like, wait, there's already, we don't, nobody needs another MarTech company, right? Like there's literally 7,000 of them. And I'm sure you, you know, you feel the same way with, with Chili Piper and stuff. You guys are doing like, wait, uh, this schedules meeting, like, can I already do that? Right? Like everybody says that. And so from day one, the beginning from us was all about storytelling and copywriting and like showing people like getting people to care about us before they cared about our product. And so, uh, when I joined in marketing, like we had no product to sell yet. It was still kind of in a, in a private beta. And so my mission was to build an audience, to build a blog, to build a podcast, to get people to start caring about Drift. And then when we were ready, we got to then email that list and be like, P.S., our product is ready. But people already started to like care about the way that we talked and, and the stories that we told. And so we built a connection. So I think storytelling is one. Two is you need to find like some either an enemy or some big like change in the world that you're trying to speak to. And so for us, we picked an enemy and that enemy wasn't a person. It wasn't a company, but it was forms. And so we said, no forms, like we, we picked a side in this, in this marketing battle. And that was amazing because what happened is all these marketers from all over like came to us and they were like, thank you. Somebody finally said it. I've always thought this, but I've never said it. I've never been able to articulate it. Thank you. Now, what do you guys do, right? And so that earns us then the right to have the conversations where I think so many companies want to pitch the product first. And so, you know, leading with a story you know, finding an enemy, but then also like there's really a movement behind drift and behind conversational marketing behind the brand that I think has, has been that that's our number one feature, right? Which is it's bigger than us. It's not about drift. It's not about conversational marketing. It's about the next wave of marketing and sales. How do you do marketing and sales in a world where people don't want to be marketed to and they don't want to be sold to. And so I think we, we really tried to like hammer on those things in the early days to be like, this is who we are. This is why we exist. It's not chat. It's not marketing automation. It's not just a feature. This is what we're doing. And I think that that was the biggest 
differentiated from a brand standpoint. Dude, why you got to hate on form so much, man? I don't. I don't hate on form. <laughs> I will tell you now, off the record, not on, not off the record, but on your podcast. <laughs> like, the no forms thing was like, that, that's a, that is a marketing slogan. Point of no forms was to get you to stop you in your tracks and say, no forms? Are they crazy? Right. What are you talking about? I got to see this, right? Right. And then we have a conversation. So Yeah. And that's right out of behind the cloud, like you mentioned earlier. You know, oh. that was Salesforce right out of their playbook. You mentioned story. Let's dive into story. So I agree. A lot of companies, a lot of brands are thinking, how do we build this story? You guys have set this amazing example, you know, HubSpot as well with inbound, right? Did you guys just sit around a room and say, okay, here's our story? Or is it something you, you test and you iterate, see if people latch on to that and just... How do you evolve that story? Yeah, I think the story doesn't change, but how you tell it does. I think to me, the story is the same thing as the mission and the vision, right? Which is the, the founders have a mission and a vision. You know, right. Google's mission was, or I don't know if it still is, like to organize the world's information, right? And that now plays into all the products that they have. The, the mission is not to be able to let people search online, right? It's, it's to organize the world's information, which makes sense if you think about YouTube and search and ads and all that stuff. And so I think the, the mission, vision, story, whatever you want to call it, Drift has always been the same. But the thing that we do rev on is how we tell it, right? We used to tell it this way, now we tell it that way. Oh, this word doesn't make any sense. Most people don't like that. Before we named it conversational marketing, we've been kicking around like a million different names. We said conversation driven marketing, a bunch of other things. And, and so it was, it was really was a, a, a learning process where we got to pick a message and then hammer it until it sticks. And you know, it sticks when people start to say it back to you. And so when people started writing articles about conversational marketing, we were like, this is the one we got to double down on this because this is what they're talking about. And so there's just a bunch of really easy ways to test that. Like we are religious about looking at what people say on Twitter about drift and about conversational marketing, not, not because I'm paranoid, but because that's where the best copywriting comes from. It's, it comes from other people. It comes from their words, you know? And so one of my favorite copywriting hacks is to go on Product Hunt or to go on Quora or to go on Amazon and go find a related product and read reviews about what people said, right? If I was going to go make a new pair of headphones, I would go on Amazon and go look at what people are saying about the other headphones and then figure out how we're going to tell our story that way. And so we just have this like, constant feedback loop. It's not a scientific process. It's not, there's no spreadsheet where it's being tracked. It's just always ongoing. And I have endless amounts of, you know, screenshots in, in Evernote of, of stuff that I like that I just label and tag. And I'm always adding to this file and then just kind of rewriting stuff. And, and a lot of times some of the best taglines or, or sentences or whatever have come from you know, like a, a 7.30 in the morning text from, from David Cancel to, to me or, or whoever. Hey, what do you think if we said it this way? And I'm like, wow, that unlocks everything. And so it really is this constant process. I don't know how, I don't know how you write, but like, it's almost the same way that I write. It's never this like perfect linear like thing. It's like, ooh, I, I like this sentence and I want to use this headline here. And then you kind of fill in the pieces. And I think that's kind of the same way that we came up with the story and the copy. Yeah. I, I love your note about um, just using your customers' messages for copy. It's the best. I remember one time I went up to San Francisco, visited with one of our customers. She literally said, I love that my reps are spending more time selling and not being process monkeys. And I'm like, that is brilliant. I'm throwing that as a headline on one of our product pages. Like, so boom, good. done. And you come up with a bunch of ads about process monkey, right? Like, Exactly. I think the problem is like marketers have an ego and I, I want to write that line. I think 
the best marketers are just great curators of whatever's happening around the world, right? Like inspiration can come from anywhere outside of this industry. Last spring, I was lucky enough to meet with the, um, the CMO of Facebook. And in a panic, I wrote down all these questions and I'm in a room with him and I'm going to ask him questions. And I just was like, what, what makes a great marketer? And he said that the best marketers are, are able to learn faster than everybody else. And I think that is like, it's that mindset of like listening to what people say on, on social, in, in calls, on customer meetings, and being able to take inspiration from everywhere. We just had it this week. We announced an integration with, um, with Outreach. And, and one of our customers said, oh my God, this is the holy grail if you're in sales. And so guess what the headline was? You know, it can be. It's like the holy grail for sales reps, Drift plus Outreach, right? Like I think that's, that's what the type of mindset you always got to have. Yeah. Where do you get a lot of these ideas? You guys have done so many of these amazing LinkedIn campaigns. You guys have done a lot of awesome stuff that gets attention from marketing, from sales. Like, how do you go about getting different ideas to try out? I never understood this. I always used to think that, like I wasn't creative and able to come up with ideas. And then in the last two, three years, the only secret that I found for coming up with ideas is, is being like a learning machine. And so I try to listen and watch and read everything. Like I learned this from, from David, our, our CEO here is like, to just have this growth mindset where he said to me the other day, he's like, nobody's ever gotten broke buying books. And I was like, damn, that's so true, right? And yeah. so if somebody smarter than me recommends a book, I buy it. I have like the all access version of Audible. I pay for YouTube premium. Like I don't cheat on any of those learn. I, you know, I have masterclass all. I'm just constantly trying to like get as many ideas from, from outside as I can. I'm always listening to podcasts, reading books, listening to audiobooks, watching videos and inspiration. Just like the more you can learn, you get ideas from everywhere. Like my wife is obsessed with hair and makeup products and, and she follows these like these fashion and beauty bloggers on YouTube. And they are genius marketers. And there's so many things that I've taken from them that we can steal for B2B that I think people would just chalk up to like, most people skip it because they're like, well, I don't like makeup. This has nothing to do with me. This is not B2B. We're very serious over here. And I'm always trying to look for inspiration. And and, uh, there's a great David Ogilvy quote where he talks about like, you're a direct response guy, right? Think about like the classic, like direct response, direct mail marketers and, and the creative people like they're expected to just come up with good ideas on the spot. That is so damn hard, right? I could give you 10 ideas right now and nine of them are not going to be any good. And so Ogilvy's quote was like, you have to fill your mind with all this stuff, reading, you know, videos, books, whatever, and then unhook your subconscious, he said. And so for them, that was like, back then, that was like the Mad Men days. That would be like, drink a bottle of scotch and go for a walk or whatever. <laughs> but for me, that's like, forgetting about work for a minute and like, you know, I might be playing golf or I might be at the gym or I might be, you know, playing with my daughter at the park. And all of a sudden I'm like, Oh, you know what we should do? That's just from like always wanting to learn and and just fill my, fill my mind with like, with as many ideas as I can. That's awesome. You're right. It's always in those moments when you're not expecting it, that these great ideas come shower shower is like the place where I'm like, Oh, we should try that. (laughs) I think I saw a tweet from, uh, from Brian Balfour and uh, he said like, Whoever is going to invent the shower whiteboard, I'll be your like series A seed in- investor. Um, <laughs> which is funny because for me, I'm super type A. I got to write everything down. But it's always when I'm not thinking about actively thinking about a problem, you know, read something, go for a walk, and then an idea is going to hit you. But I think a lot of people who are like, how do you come up with so many ideas? I want to come up with more. You just got to always be learning. Like, show me what podcast you're listening to. Show me what books you're reading. And I can tell you if you're going to be any good at coming up with ideas. Nice. Obviously reading, taking in a lot of information. How do you discern 
where to get information from. That's a really hard one for me. Yeah, that is a good one. And this one has evolved for me. Like five years ago, I had a, like a feed reader, like Feedly or whatever it was called. And I, I would subscribe to every blog and it's just too much now. Every company has a blog. Every company has a podcast. Every company is doing video. I'm kind of going the other way and I'm trying to get information from like only a select few sources. And my framework for this, which is another thing I learned from David is like, I don't just want to learn everything. There's specific things that I want to learn. Right. And so right now I'm obsessed with brand and I'm obsessed with brands outside of B2B. And so like I bought a subscription to Adweek and I get Adweek every month now and I get their website and I go to their podcast. And like, that gives me like 99% of what I need to know about marketing and brands. And then the other stuff is like, I kind of pick off like one or two VC podcasts where they talk about like SaaS and the industry so I can stay up on that stuff. But I've found like to find one or two kind of highly curated sources has helped. The other thing has been books. Like the reason why is, is books have, especially books that are 5, 10, 15, 20, 60, 70 years old, right? Because if something has withstood the test of time, then you know it's going to be valuable where like, I'm just Joe Schmo and I have a podcast. Like, don't listen to me. <laughs> Go listen to the marketing person who wrote a book 100 years ago on marketing, right? Because that book is still relevant and stood the test of time. And so I always try to like skew towards a book or something that, that has been around for a while and, and, and get those lessons first. Obviously, the difference is if you read a book, no book written 100 years ago is going to tell you how to get better at, you know, retargeting on Facebook, right? And so you kind of have to figure out like, okay, well, where are you going to learn that from? Well, I want to go learn from the best person that does, you know, paid marketing. So the time stuff matters a lot, especially today. You don't know who to trust, right? Like you talk so much about fake news and, and, and just like the link, you know, link spamming world that we live in on social media there's too much information. I want few resources and, and I'm trying to spend more of my time uh, in books and stuff that took a long time to create. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. If you haven't read the old stuff, the Ogilvy's, the Eugene Schwartz, oh, the John Capels, like you love, can't really start anywhere else. This, this, is, this is where people think, start to think I'm really weird, which I am, but like uh, Eugene Schwartz, right? Breakthrough advertising. Like David, he went and found the copy for me and like got it hand bound and it's on my desk. And, and I remember thinking like, come on, man, like this is from 1950. Like <laughs> I don't even know the words they use in this book. And I read it and I like, that was an eye opening thing for me, which is like the, the other one was, um, Claude Hopkins scientific advertising, which was written in 1924. Yep. That book's like 80 pages long. When I read that book, I was like, wait a second. I read this in like 2015. I was like, every one of these lessons from 1924 is still true today. This thing is a freaking gem and it's about people and human behavior. And so like, it's when you uncover that, you're like, man, this is crazy. Right. Uh, so I love that. Yeah. Agree with you completely. Yeah. It's funny. You read those books and you're like, you know, this, this hasn't changed for, for a group that we say marketing changes all the time. It's pretty funny when you read a book that's 56 years old and you're like, huh, I guess that much hasn't really changed. So th that's so important when you said like marketing changes all the time, but people don't, yeah. right? People don't change. No. And, and like, we've only had smartphones for like what, five, 10 years, really? So there's been hundreds of thousands of years of like human behavior on other, other things. And so I would just go spend more time studying that stuff. Yeah, I agree. Let's shift gears. I know you about a couple months ago, you spent a month as an AE. 
I will always get nervous because I'm like, what are you going to tell me? Like uh, a month ago, you tweeted. You, know, <laughs> you tweeted this thing, and I want to hold you to it. And we're going to debate. A.M. on <laughs> No, you uh, you spent a month as an A.E. Was that was that the only thing you were doing during that month, or was it like part time? No, it was part. It was it was part time. I did uh, so I did I did a challenge. Where I did thirty. I did thirty sales demos in thirty days. Okay. So I did about one to two calls a day, some days, three calls, and then not have a call the next day. And I did it because I really wanted to sell. And I think marketers get away with a lot of stuff sometimes because they, you know, we get to live on like the other side of the world and be like, you know, here's my headline, go sell this book. Like, wait a second, why does the marketer just like dream up the message and then they don't actually sell it and know if it's any good? Right. And the reason salespeople hate marketers is because of that. You told me what to say. And, but if you ever listen to one of my calls, it never comes up that way. And so I really just wanted to get really in the weeds and actually have to sell. But also there was another side benefit of it, which is like at Drift, we, I'm a marketer doing marketing to marketers, right? And so I was- Marketing inception. Yeah, I was actually able to help and say, hey, here's how we use, we use Drift. We run our whole business on Drift. I, I think I can help you. And so it was super interesting. I had like pages and pages of notes. I'm like, man, I heard 10 reps say something that we haven't talked about in two years. Maybe we need to revisit that. We don't want to have a page for that. Or, oh my, like the, the good and the bad. Our, our sales team is amazing. But like, then you see something where they say something away that we know we don't want to talk about or we know we don't want to show that way. And so it was just the realest way of like, what's the point of doing marketing if it's not going to lead to sales, right? Like in, in this, in this world, if you have a demand gen team, if you're doing demand gen, why, why do you exist? if You're not going to help feed the sales team. And so to, to literally be on the same page with them was super helpful. And just to have to sell this thing firsthand and understand where the, where the pains are and, and what's hard to articulate and where we need more case studies or where we could use a better example of this or that. Is the big lesson there. It's like, if you're able to do that, or I even think don't like a lot of marketing people don't even listen to sales calls, right? Which is so easy today. We now, so easy. I, I'm not going to plug like a particular vendor, but like I have an app on my phone where on my way home to and from work, I can listen to sales calls now on demand. And so even if you don't want to actually sell marketers, you can listen to forget, forget the podcast about the reality TV show that you're watching, right? Like you could listen to two sales calls on your way to and from work every day and, and start to like run laps around the people on your team. Yeah, because we only do this first part. We get interest, but then we don't really know, like, what are people saying? What are their big objections? Okay, let's throw that on a landing page, right? Like, get people, you know, if you've ever read Persuasion by Cialdini, it's how do you persuade people before they get to sales to make them more likely to convert? I love all these books, man. You, 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 sound, you sound very similar. Um, <laughs> no, so, so it's interesting. One of, the, one of the things out of that was, I was like, I, okay. I kind of wrote down like there are four or five objections that I heard over and over again from Drift. Like, and I just want to publish a, a, I want to publish a landing page that are like, here are the five most common objections people have with Drift. And I'm going to record a video answering each one. Right. Right. In advance. Now do you want to get on the call? Right. Like, and uh, I think that's just an amazing, it, it was amazing learning, but also outside of like the learning and positioning and messaging, it just shows your sales team. Like, Hey, we're in this together. I'm not just going to like fake it. We have to each do our part and meet somewhere in the middle and that's how we're going to be successful. And so a lot of it was honestly like, and not to be corny, but like just, just for like team morale and like for us to be on the same team and, and same page. And I think so much of what you do as a marketer is about internal marketing. And I think a lot of people don't understand that and appreciate it, which is like, 
I think at least 50% of my job is about internal marketing and, and that makes the rest of the marketing easier. And so if you have credibility with the sales team, with other people inside of your company, uh, you're going to be so much better at your job. And so a lot of it was, was for that also. That's an important takeaway for people too. internal marketing. I think you guys do that better than anybody. Like you, everyone, I think sees it on social, right? When you guys post, everyone's chiming in, everyone's contributing. It's not just marketing's job to put out marketing messages. Totally. And I, I get so, I mean, we're, the company's growing like crazy and I get so excited now because I'm like, Ooh, 20 new hires. That's 20 <laughs> new LinkedIn profiles, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> okay. Let's, I want to get into a little bit of like, you know, some more direct response demand gen stuff. Yeah. Hey, it's demand gen chat. We got to talk something to we'll talk about whatever you want to talk about. <laughs> All this stuff we've been talking about brand, these do, this is how you create demand, right? It's not just SEO. It's not just ads. It's full cycle. Your brand helps all those other things. And so my background is not in demand gen. I've learned enough about it to, to help grow drift from, you know, zero to eight figures in revenue in, in, in like two years. But uh, now we have like real demand gen people here and they come in and they're like, oh my God, they can't wait to work on this thing because they understand that the power of, if you have a strong brand, and you pair that up with strong demand gen, these two things are going to fly and right. go together where it's not one or the other. It's how can that stuff help, right? If we are generating a ton of traffic from LinkedIn, all that stuff can be used uh, to fuel demand gen with the right demand gen uh, mindset. So I think th those two things are like, you know, peanut butter and jelly. It's, it's such a good fit if you can do them right. Yeah. I think where people get messed up on the brand side though is brand is not, when I talk about brand or we talk about brand, like, Brand is not like your logo or your creative or your colors. It's like, what are you going to, what are you doing to get people talking about you? And then you compare that up with demand gen. Perfectly said. I love that. You guys have a unique structure that I've always been really interested in. And I'm so I'm really excited to ask you about it. So you guys have marketing and you guys have growth. How do you guys look at what is marketing's job versus what is growth's job? Yes. Can I, I'm going to cop out. Well, I'll answer both. I'll answer all of it. Okay. So this question, people ask this question a lot. And I asked a question that you. <laughs> no, no, no. The right people ask this question a lot. Demand gen people. It's because you're a demand gen guy. Demand gen people ask this a lot. Before I answer like how we work together, I think the most important lesson though is like, don't do what we do. Do what works for your company. And right. what happened at Drift was we came in, a, we, we had an amazing opportunity where like marketing team was strong. We had this kind of brand buzz machine going. We were able to get Guillaume, who was a VP of growth at Segment. And instead of wondering about like, well, we already have marketing. His thing is kind of growth demand gen. Like it's not going to fit. The mindset from the founders was like, we're building a, like a, a billion dollar, like life changing, like long lasting company, pillar company. Who cares, right? We're, we can't just have two strong people on the team. We should have hundreds, right? Everyone needs to be strong. And so the mindset was like, is this a good fit? And does this match like who we are and, 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 and is it going to help our team? And so don't think about how we have growth and marketing split up. Think about, is there an opportunity on your team to add people and then you figure it out after. So that's part one. Part two is the way that we work together is, is just kind of thinking about different superpower. And so G's superpower is, you know, high volume testing and optimization and, you know, machine learning, website testing. I have no experience in that stuff, right? Or, you know, spinning up a thousand versions of a landing page to test a, you know, a set of ads in, in 20 minutes, right? Like that's his strength. And so we said, let's pair that with what we're doing on the, on the marketing side of things. And so 
the way that we split it was like marketing, like was content, PR, social events, product marketing, enterprise marketing. And then, and then G was responsible for more of the, uh, you know, high volume, like programmatic demand gen type stuff. Gotcha. That, that was just a skill set thing, right? Like that's also what his background was. We could have hired another growth person and, you know, hired like a growth person who has more product experience and the growth probably the growth team probably would have sat more on the product team. Right. And, and done more like optimizing onboarding and the in-app experience, but his stuff was a little bit closer to the demand gen side. And so it was a great fit with us on marketing. Got it. Yeah. He's dude. He's so smart. I watched the webinar with him yesterday and I'm just, I'm like, this guy is insane. Does he have unlimited budget for tools, by the way? <laughs> no, no. DC, if you're listening, there's not an unlimited tools budget. We are auditing it very closely. <laughs> a good example is he, he's super creative and super, and, and wants to test anything. And so if you're an up and coming SaaS company, of course you'll give him, you'll give it to him for free because he's going to use it. He's going to be a testimonial for you. He's going to tell you what's broken and fix it. And so he has, he has a good system set up where like he'll, he'll try any new tool, right? He'll, he's on product hunt all day saying like, Oh, there's a new landing page testing tool. He'll get it for 10 bucks a month and be their like beta, you know, VIP lifelong customer. And that, that's how he does it, which is great. Yeah. Which also has taught me a couple of things. It's like, you just got, that, that's a, that's speaking of like books from earlier. That's a mindset from him, which is like, every new tool I want to know about and try, because I think one of these things is going to help me do my job better where a lot of marketers are like, Nope, I use, uh, you know, I use, this is what I use for marketing automation. This is what I use for email. And I don't know if it doesn't fit in that box where he's like, let me try this. Let me try this. Let me try this. Let me try this. There's a, a Zapier thing for this. Oh, I can't use it, but there's an API. Like he just has that growth mindset of like, I'm going to keep continue to try more tools. And, uh, and I love that. And even, you know, budgeting time for every, I talked to somebody recently where they said they take, um, might've been, might've been CMO. I forget who it was, but, but she told me, uh, she budgets time two hours a week is for new, new, uh, new vendor calls just to learn, wow. just to learn what tools are out there and what's possible. And I love that because even my mindset is like, ah, that's expensive. We don't have budget, for it, but it should be like, no, let me try it. Let's learn everything. Right. Yeah. Fun fact, G actually, when he was back at segment, he was one of the early testers for Chili Piper. So, ah, so great example, right? Yeah. You know, there's probably some, you know, uh, historical billing in, in your system that says like the G special, which is like $4 <laughs> annually. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, you, you pay him basically. Yes. Uh, dude, I think that's a good spot for us to end it. Cool. Not, not that it'd be hard for people to find you, but uh, where do you want to direct people to connect with you? Yeah. So, uh, Twitter is at, I'm at Dave Gerhardt everywhere online that you can find me. And, uh, most importantly, we have a new book out. This is not the real version yet. It's, it's in print Monday, the book about conversation marketing. You should go check it out. I think you'll like it. Yeah. We'll link up to, uh, get the book and your profiles in the episode. Awesome. Thank Thanks you. dude. This was fun. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, it was good to chat with you. I think we got a lot of stuff in common. It'd be good to stay in touch. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Demand Gen Chat. One last thing before you do get out of here, don't forget to subscribe through iTunes or whichever app you use to listen to your podcast so you don't miss any of our future episodes. And leave us a review. I'd love to hear what you think of the show. It helps us keep doing this so we can keep bringing you more episodes about marketing and demand gen. See you next time.